Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. It has been quite the week across the world of baseball and almost all of it being positive in the case of the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to episode 151 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. No, I am not Tyler Uramchuk. Brennan Douglas sitting in for Tyler here today as he is uh, away on a bachelor trip this weekend. But I am still joined, as always, by Cam Lewis. Coomsey, man, I don't know if you could have asked for much of a better week of baseball from the Blue Jays after it started on such a really downtrodden note uh, back in game one. Yeah, it was a real roller coaster ride this week. I mean, we we pretty much all said coming out of the Mets series, it was, man, that was a really tight series in New York. They had to use a lot of relievers. It was a lot of big innings, high leverage situations. Let's hope Alec Manoa can, for the third time this season, come through with some innings. And that didn't happen as he only recorded one out in the first game. It was a total bullpen game after that. But then after Manoa's start, the other pitchers in the Blue Jays really got the job done we'll we'll start off with positives because it was three 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 out of four wins for the blue jays we've got a whole bunch of stuff to get to so i mean this is going to be a a a loaded podcast of 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 content yeah you bet and like you said almost exclusively positive so i think it is fitting we do start with our three ups portion of the show and uh you you hit the nail on the head start games two through four i mean it was pretty tough to pull negatives from those games because they were really solid start to finish but i think you start with the the highest note overall and and that is as it has been for almost the entirety of the season so far for the jays it is kevin gosman on the bump uh going seven innings strong only giving up four hits one earned run 13 strikeouts he uh is really doing his best to chase down that number one spot in k's in the league right now with another terrific outing one leadoff home run, and after that, I mean, he locked it down all night long. Yeah, it was a it was a perfect one because earlier in the season, and I think this was probably Kevin Gosman's had two difficult starts this year out of the thirteen that he's thrown, and otherwise he's been spectacular. There was the one start in Boston that was the cold weather series at Fenway. The Jays weren't really used to that. Nobody had a good series there. He went three and one third and allowed eight earned runs. And then his other bad start came when the Jays were in Houston facing the Astros. He got shelled for seven earned runs in the first inning. Winds up going four and two thirds, but other. Otherwise, he's been fantastic. And we all knew after that Manoa start, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into more detail about Manoa. That's a big conversation, obviously. But we all knew after that Manoa start that Kevin Gosman has to come out and have 
you know, a fantastic start. It can't just be a mediocre start. It can't just be, you know, five and two thirds, three earned runs, more difficult for the bullpen. It had to be an ace level start. And that's exactly what they got. I mean, last podcast, uh, you, Tyler, and I were talking, geez, this Kevin Gosman, the way he pitches, it's the Jays haven't really had somebody like this since Roy Holiday, somebody who, you know, every time he comes out, you feel really good about, um, him going distance, him pitching really well, him saving your bullpen, him, you know, changing momentum because the way the Manoa start went on Monday and Houston's a good team. They hit really well. Shit could have really hit the fan in this series, but Gosman came in and completely stopped it. And it was, it was really interesting. The timing of this, because it was, it was either on Monday or Tuesday that MLB.com put out an article being like, Oh, here's who we think the top five, Cy Young candidates are in the American League and Gosman wasn't on the list and a lot of Blue Jays fans got themselves worked up into a frenzy about it and then Gosman comes out and against one of the best lineups in Major League Baseball the defending World Series champions it's seven innings and he strikes out 13 guys ties for a career high and I mean um, obviously we're biased here from a Blue Jays perspective everyone thinks that their players should be the MVP or the Cy Young but in this instance with Gosman now man he's you know at a 2.63 ERA for the year and his peripheral numbers suggest based on you know the walks and the strikeouts and the home runs allowed that he should be even better than that so undoubtedly for me he's in the top five for Cy Young, for me, I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I I think he should be the leader right now when talking about the best start in the American League. Yeah, I I will definitely not disagree with you. And I would find it hard to believe anybody would. They said to not even be considered in that top five realm um, is, to me, ludicrous, really. It, it, we'll talk, like you said, we'll talk about Manoa in a little bit here, but it's kind of the complete flip side of like what it provides for your team as a dynamic where one on one hand every time that day comes up in the rotation you almost dread it you're thinking this is basically going to be a loss on the docket for your team and the opposite side with Kevin Gosman doesn't matter who they're playing doesn't matter who's in the lineup for that team the the quality of bats when he is taking the hill you expect the blue jays to win and do it in pretty authoritative fashion um it, I, you can't say enough good things about this guy and the the calmness that that provides for the rest of the roster knowing that you, you don't have to score eight runs to win this game when he is pitching. And the only real question mark came was the fact of pulling him out of the game after the seven innings pitch. His pitch count was still really low, but obviously the um, the bullpen kind of picked up right where he left off and, and coasted the game into uh, uh, the win for them. And um, it's running out of things to say about this guy, which is crazy to say because we are only in the first week of June still, and there's a long way to go. So uh, yeah, huge, huge props to Gosman and what he was able to accomplish um, earlier this week on the, on the pitching mound for the Jays. Yeah. Every single time we do a podcast, we pretty much talk about how good Gosman is like the exact same conversation every single time. And then if he has one of those bad starts, we're just like, ah, no problem. But so circling back to the MLB.com thing, but here's how they had it. It was Shane McClanahan of the Rays, number one, Nate Ivaldi of the Texas Rangers, who was a free agent acquisition. Number two, Garrett Cole of the Yankees. He's always in the mix. Number three, Framber Valdez, number four, Houston Astros. We just saw him and Sonny Gray, the Minnesota Twins, who we're going to see this weekend as the top five. And I'll be honest with you, I'd take Kevin Gosman over every single one of them. 
Yeah, and I mean, I said the McClanahan thing, you can debate that all around in terms of Tampa's um, utilization of their pitchers and, and how they kind of deploy their staff. But I, I think he, him and Gosman certainly have to be your two, two front runners at this point because the numbers speak for themselves when it's all said and done, uh, which really uh, neatly leads us into our second up from this series against the Astros. We're sticking right where we left off, and that's in the pitching rotation. Chris Bassett, after that great outing Gosman had, he just follows that right up and, and kind of continues down the same path, giving the Blue Jays the much-needed opportunity to win. Uh, and this one coming right after the birth of his uh, his second child, where he had just left the Mets game immediately after finishing up there in New York, went home and then uh, rejoined by his teammates to to pitch another gem. Yeah, Bassett's another one where, like, what can you say about what, what more can you say about him given the way he's pitched recently? Like, he had that rough one in the Minnesota series. He only goes four innings, gets tagged for seven earned runs. But since then, like, right around the birth of his child, he has, of course, like you said, the Mets game goes up against his former team, outduels Justin Verlander, who the Mets paid a billion dollars to sign rather than him this winter. And then uh, he one ups that in his first game back since going on the paternity leave against the Houston Astros. He goes eight innings, only a allows four hits, zero walks, strike out five guys, and only allows two earned runs. Uh, he pushed through those eight innings on just 81 pitches. It's got to be the most efficient pitching that I've seen from a Jay in a long time because you'll remember he had that complete game shutout against Atlanta earlier back in May, and it wasn't the same efficiency. Like, this is 10 pitches per inning. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's Mark Burley stuff. We haven't seen that in years. And so... Uh, there was a lot of uh, people talking online. They're like, oh, yeah, let's let Chris Bassett go all the way. Let's let him pick up his second complete game. But then John Schneider opts to instead go for Jordan Romano to come in and pick up the save. He allows the leadoff double, works around it, locks things down in the ninth inning. But it was it was an interesting choice because, you know, Bassett was cruising. And then you look at who's coming up and it's um, Houston's one, two, three hitters. And one of the guys he was scheduled to face was Jordan Alvarez, who has four home runs and 16 at bats against Bassett. So uh, in the moment, I was kind of disappointed to see Schneider out there bringing in Romano. But then afterwards, I, I, I thought about it. It was like, that makes sense. And Bassett himself made a comment after the game saying, I didn't disagree with that decision. Like, I'm not a huge analytics guy, but you look at Jordan Alvarez's numbers against me, makes sense for them to pull because, I mean, if Houston had come and tied the game and that had gone into extras, then that would have been unfortunate. So I think it made the right move. It would have been nice to see Bassett go the distance, but you know, you can't complain about eight innings and now he's also somewhat rested for his next start. Only 81 pitches. Not bad at all. No, exactly. The, the, in that situation, like you said, it would be so great to see him go another, another complete game and add that to his impressive resume on the season. But realistically, it could only end poorly like you said in Bassett admitting himself that yeah that's the time for me to come out there and the keeping that pitch count as low as it was that is just another positive to tack on to and we we've alluded to this several times where when the manager makes a good decision very rarely is it brought up it's more <laughs> so on those kind of head scratchers um, that John Schneider makes where everybody's lambasting him so this is another one where I think you can put a, a positive in the column for John Schneider especially when you're your starting pitcher actually agrees with you on when to take him out of the game. That is very rare to see. Usually they say, give me that ball, put it in my hand and leave me out there until I'm getting shelled. So it, it ended all good. Um, and you'd mentioned the Romano when he came in to, to close the game out. Man, after that leadoff double, I was starting to get like immediately nervous. I, I don't know about you or anybody else watching the game because we've seen kind of 
two sides of a coin when it comes to Jordan Romano this season. He has had some pretty tough blow and save opportunities. But then we've also seen after this leadoff double, he did what we expect him to do and have seen him do over the um, very uh, long stretch of recent history as the Blue Jays closer and, and just get the job done. Yeah, I mean, he's this series for Romano, he was absolute nails. Like, we're going to get to it in a second, but he comes out and picks up the save in back-to-back games. And, man, Houston's a good lineup. Like, this is a team who, you know, they won the World Series in 2017. I guess you can put the asterisk next to that if you want. And not all the players who were around then are still there. But then they win the World Series last year as well. They were in the World Series the year before that. They're almost always there. Like, every year the Astros go on a long playoff run. Like, these guys know how to... Go into difficult situations, whether it's on the road against different teams, come up with huge hits, score runs in the ninth inning, do it in different ways. Um, I mean, no one's gotten the job done more than they have in the past few years. So to lock this team down with the uh, relief pitching the Jays got, it was it's a series you feel really good about. Like we've we've so many times in the past complained about the Jays bullpen not being able to get it done. And like you said, we've complained so many times about Schneider making the wrong moves. Like we definitely should sit here and, and give them like a round of applause, give them some praise for good bullpen management. And then also the relievers coming into those spots and just straight up getting the job done. It was like a, a difficult series based on how game one went. But everyone else after that just completely bared down and really, really picked it up after after that really difficult start. And and even back in game one, I mean, once again, we will get to to covering the the big glaring <laughs> spot there. But the the Jays even made the score closer than it probably actually was based off of how it started, um, which is saying something because the final score still wasn't really that close. Like they still got some offense going and, and you can, when you have to go through that many pitchers after your starter exits that early, it's kind of tough to actually grade the bullpen on how they perform in that game. Um, But the rest of the way down the line, it was, it was great. And they weren't really called back into stretch duty um, until game number four here. And even that they only had to close out, three innings of the game. So uh, for up number three, we'll, we'll just stick with that there and the continuing to pick up the slack of where maybe their peer kind of let some of the team down. It was Jose Barrios in game number four going six innings strong, which it's kind of crazy to think about when your rotation is playing so well, six innings pitched, giving up only two earned runs and having two sh- uh, strikeouts. That almost kind of seems like a disappointment, which is crazy to say, because that's a terrific outing for that any starting pitcher would ask for on any other given day. Yeah, it's funny. So the, the, the Brios line, he goes six innings pitched, four hits, two walks, two earned runs and only two strikeouts. So of the three, Gosman, Bassett and Brios, it was definitely the weakest of the three starts. But it's one where if, you know, Jose Brios comes and does that most games, 90 percent of the time, that's exactly the pitcher they traded for back in 2021. And and to be fair to him, like he really got it together in um, what looked like it could have been a, a bad start. Things looked like they were going sideways in the second inning. Alex Bregman hits the home run and then Kyle Tucker draws the walk. And then it's Jose Abreu with a single, Chaz McCormick with a single. And then he gets the ground ball for the double play and then gets Martin Maldonado to ground out to go the inning. Like that could have been a really ugly disaster inning. And that's pretty much what we saw from Barrios last year. That's what it was. Every time he had one of his meltdown starts, you could just tell like, okay, like he doesn't have his strikeout stuff. He's not going to be able to get through this. This is going to be bad. He's going to allow six, seven, eight earned runs in three innings. But this year he, he looks like that, you know, workhorse number two, three guy that the Jays traded for a couple of years ago. And, um, and, and key to that is being able to work around these difficult innings because, you know, you're not always going to have your great strikeout stuff. You're not always going to be able to strike out 
10 guys every single game. So getting that contact, getting guys to ground out in the double plays, working around troubles. After the game, Barrios said, I remember those last seven outings in 2021 I had with the Blue Jays, and I feel the same way now. And across those seven starts in 2021, he pitched 47 innings and had a 2.93 ERA. And that's pretty much what we've seen from him this year ever since those. He had two bad starts against Kansas City and Anaheim to start the year. Since then, he's been nails. Like, this is such a good run the Jays have right now with Gosman, Bassett, and Barrios. Um, if, if, if they can flesh out the rest of the rotation, then this is the best group of starting pitchers we've seen the Jays have in, in a few years at least. And, and I think you hit on a really important part there about saying that if this was the Brios of last season, that game would have been out of hand so quickly. And you basically immediately write it off as saying, all right, well, we got the split with the Astros. Let's now focus our attention to the weekend uh, with Minnesota. But this team this year seems to have a bit of resiliency. And I don't know if that comes from having some more um, veteran presence on the bench with Don Mattingly, John Schneider, an extra uh, that more experience under his belt as the head man in the dugout to kind of say, we're not out of this guys. Uh, like even when the game starts to look kind of dire, they rebound really well. And, and when a ball club is hot, like the Jays are right now, 11 and three in their last 14, that, it, it just speaks volumes for the fact that when even when things seem bad, there's still belief in themselves that they can get out of this, not only as a collective, but to the individual as well. And looping back to the main point, there being that Barrios rebounded after that tough start uh, and goes out and pitches another uh, pitches, another really quality start for for this Blue Jays rotation that is as as um, as hot as any in baseball right now. And the thing is, is they they really needed that win um, at the very end there. Like you can look at this series and be like, ah, split against Houston ain't bad. But Houston won the first series um, down in Houston, the three game series. They took two of three. So if they had split the series here in Toronto, they would have won the season series four to three. And these teams now are only separated by half a game in the wild card. You see how well Texas is playing. They're 40 and 21. The Astros are probably a wild card team this year if the Rangers keep that up. And I mean, even if Houston jumps them, then, you know, the Rangers are in the mix. Like we all know how difficult the American league playoff race is, but if the Jays wind up tied with Houston in the standings, then they now have the tiebreaker because they won this series. So they came into that Thursday game and played like it was a must win. And it, and, and they did like we were, we talked back in May, like we were so disappointed with the way the Jays played against the likes of the Yankees. And then when they went down to Tampa and when they played Baltimore, we were like, you know, the Jays are getting tested here with these tough games against good playoff teams. They didn't come through. Well, this series against Houston, we saw a completely different version of the Jays. This is a version of the Jays where it looks like they just won a playoff series. Like it looks like they just won a wild card round with the performances they got from Gosman Bassett and Barrios, the clutch hitting the good management, the good bullpen, like that's the team that we were hoping to see this year. That, that, that's, that's the team that looks like it can win a playoff series or go deep. Yeah. Winning the games that really, really matter. And this was not an interdivisional game, obviously, but like you said, at the end of the season, this is a team that you're going to be competing against for every spot in those standings and try and make it a more favorable wildcard matchup for yourself because it does seem like the um, the Rays are probably out of reach in terms of winning the division. So it, every game matters, whether it be in April, May or September, but it's these long stretches, um, the four game series against uh, league opponents and, and league rivals, because there has been some um, some contested blood between the Jays and the Astros over the years. This, this is huge for the club and huge for the guys in the in the room as well. 
You'd mentioned clutch hitting there in your last uh, little uh, thought there. You know what? For the sake that this was a four-game series and it was such an overwhelmingly positive experience, I think it is deserving of a fourth up for us uh, on today's episode that the the hitting was about as clutch as you could ask for. And you run down the lineup, um, and it is kind of some names that I don't want to say have been disappointing thus far this year, but certainly underwhelming maybe compared to some of the expectations um, in the case of two of them, new faces in the room uh, and another one after an all-star season um, type campaign last year, really struggling to find his game in the start this year. And those names alluding to being Dalton Varsho, Brandon Bell and Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, the Jays got the Jays got good hitting performance, clutch hitting performances from some different guys. And this is what they need. Well, I mean, Vladdy's in a bit of a cold streak. He's not not struggling per se, but you know, he's not hitting bombs. He's not April Vladdy or 2021 Vladdy right now. And same thing with George Springer. He's not necessarily at his best. So they have to get these from other players. Um, Alejandro Kirk uh, went three for 12 in the series. He hit a, um, a go ahead pinch hit RBI in the third game. And then a two run double that was so important in the fourth game, Brandon belt in the series four for 10 with a dinger. I think that was his first dinger that he had hit at home in Toronto on the season. His OPS now, since the, start of May after that disaster in April where we were like, oh man, DFA, this guy, what is happening? Since the start of May, his OPS is over a thousand. It's 1.019. We're talking about a guy who could justifiably wind up in the all-star game this year, which if you had told me that about Brandon Belt even one month ago in a week into May, I would have been like, no, that's not accurate. Dalton Varsho hits two home runs in the series. He goes three for 10. It seems like he's finding his power stroke. Um, and then Bo Bichette, he goes four for 15, two dingers in that series as well. Um, I have in the notes here, there's, I think, two months into the season, a little bit over two months. He's very clearly in the conversation for American League MVP. It really feels like he found his groove last year in August or September when he got hot. And he just hasn't cooled down. He's been good all year. He looks looks like a different, more veteran, more mature hitter at the plate now. And man, if he keeps this up, we're seriously talking about Bo Bichette and MVP conversation. And one even more huge positive to pull from Bo Bichette's campaign, we have labored this point about we don't need him to be a gold glove shortstop. But man, over the past several weeks, he I'm never going to confuse him for a gold glove shortstop, but he is starting to look more like even an above average defender at the position. And I'm not expecting that to last all season long. He is still going to make mistakes, whether it be fielding or throwing, but he's really limiting those mistakes as of late. And it shows in the fact there was certain innings where he was um, the in on every single out on the play, whether it be uh, flipping it to second base or making strong throws over to first. That's what you need from a guy to be in that MVP conversation. If you're going to be the best hitter in the American league, you can be just an okay defender and still come away with that award. And right now Bo's proving that. Uh, And another guy that we'd mentioned here in this clutch hitting portion was someone that I personally really wanted to focus on is Dalton Varsho. We we talked about him kind of struggling with the bat when first arriving here in Toronto and then getting under extra scrutiny when you see how uh, some of those other bats that went out the other way in Moreno and Guriel are having good seasons in Arizona. It starts to then like the microscope seems even bigger on, on the person that's coming back in that trade. But not only is Dalton Varsho finding his game, this is the type of player that I think fans and this is speaking on behalf of myself can really get behind because he plays the game in like any way you want to build a baseball player. Dalton Varsho kind of fits that mold of he like on his home run. 
he it was a stand-up triple because they weren't sure if it was going to be actually be ruled a home run or not. Like running as hard as he can around the bases. And he does have some speed. He's not Merrifield or Kiermeyer, but but he is a very excellent base runner. He does have the speed to get job done on the bases. And whether it be beating out a ground ball to first base, like he just plays the game hard in the right way. And so it's nice to see actually some results coming for him. Uh, at the plate in terms of that power that we expected him to have now showing through uh, and getting the success hitting the ball, not just running the base pass. So huge, huge props to Dalton Varsho, a guy that I have a soft spot for as one of the uh, lefty bats in the lineup as a lefty myself. Uh, I love seeing them grip it and rip it on on that side of the plate. So Dalton Varsho, uh, definitely a guy for me to watch and made a few pennies on him this week as well as he was on a nice little hitting streak there um, in terms of getting hits in each game, throw those into some parlays. Nice little bonuses for anybody on the betting side of things. Is that who you try to emulate when you play slow pitch baseball? Dalton Varsha, you just lay down like a little swinging bunt and run as fast as you can. That's exactly it. I, I don't quite have the same speed that I used to since I tore my ACL for the second time. And I haven't got it, haven't got it rebuilt again the second time yet. But uh, yeah, that's exactly it. I, I certainly don't have power. I stand all five foot eight and I don't have the bulk that Dalton Varsha has. But how can that not be a guy that you watch play baseball and say that guy loves the game? Which I think you see across a lot of this Blue Jays lineup, which is awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with uh, with that kind of wrapping up all of those glowing positives in, in a huge week of success for the Jays, there are still a few uh, a few negatives that we do need to touch on uh, heading into the three downs portion of the show. It pretty much can start right at the top, right at the start of the series, and it is the Alec Manoa situation. Um, not even getting through one inning in game one. Cam, we've seen what the Jays have done since uh, this happened, but elaborate to me and to the listeners about like what exactly is it going to look like moving forward for Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays? Yeah. So this is the thing we've been alluding to forever. Everyone knows what happened. Um, the series started off with Alec Manoa recording just one out against the Astros. They drilled him for, what was it? Six or seven runs. And then after that, Jay Jackson, thankfully is able to get them through two and two thirds, Trevor Richards, Anthony Bass, Jimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, and Tim Meza are then needed to finish off the game. It really wasn't ideal, but what happened afterwards is the Jays finally decided, okay, we can't send this guy out here every fifth day anymore. Something's wrong. We got to fix it like for two different reasons, really. Like, I mean, the first one is the Jays are a contending team right now and they can't be sending out someone who's pretty much an automatic loss every fifth start. And the Jays haven't won an Alec Manoa start now since April. It's a pretty significant losing streak. It's this is this is a start that really could have killed the good vibes they had after New York, the series against the Mets come back and burn the bullpen. But thankfully, as we said, Gosman, Bassett, Barrios really bared down for the Jays. So uh, this is basically down number one and down number two. I mean, uh, Manoa's terrible start. And then he literally does get sent down to the Florida Complex League. I think a lot of people were more expecting to see, OK, Manoa's going to go down to Buffalo, make two starts for the Bisons, maybe dominate some AAA pitching, but our AAA hitting. But to be totally honest with you, given the way he's going right now, I think if you sent him down to the Bisons, he'd still get lit up like it wouldn't be good. And what they're doing now, sending him down to Dunedin is they have their, you know, state of the art complex. They have their pitching lab. They have a whole bunch of staff there. It's basically like, let's travel back in time and start again. Like it's mid February. And this guy's arriving at spring training. We can take a look at the video, see what's gone wrong. There's, there's been a lot of interesting analysis talking about Manoa and how he looks physically when he's pitching. Um, Steve Phillips over at TSN, who used to be a GM in the MLB, uh, had an interesting note that it looks like he's 
put on a bunch of muscle on his chest and it's made it more difficult for him to um, throw the ball in the same repeated way that he does before. He's not as loose. Like you'll see a guy like Gosman or a guy like Barrios. They look very loose when they throw, especially with Gosman. Um, he just looks so natural. The flow looks so calm and easy. And Manoa this year looks like he's just fighting through it. It never looks like he's really landing in the same spot. And pretty much what you have to do here is start from scratch. Maybe it's the pitch clock. Maybe he's got to up the stamina. Maybe he's got to lose some mass so that he can, you know, throw more pitches quickly. It is what it is. There's a lot of guys around there struggling, but I wouldn't expect Alec Manoa back with the Blue Jays anytime soon. Ross Atkins gave an update on Thursday saying he'll miss at least a few turns to the rotation and they have no set timetable. If this takes three months, that's the way it is. If, you know, he he can't come back up this season, then that's the way it is. Like, Alec Manoa is a, a, a an important part of the Blue Jays' future, and getting him right, even if it's getting him right for the start of next season, is the top priority. It's this is a guy who's there. You know, you're building a rotation around. You expect to have him for years to come, and they've got to sort it out. And and I think I am speaking on several people's behalf that when this news came across the line. Not even the slightest clue what the Florida complex league <laughs> actually was. I was absolutely taken aback. But then you look into it, and like you said, it basically it's rookie ball down there. And with the Jays' main facility um, being the main emphasis point here, like you said, getting back into the lab and taking him apart to put him back together again and hopefully a more efficient um, and successful manner because there has been very little positives to draw from what Alec Manoa has done this year. And it, it really reached that tipping point in game number one. Also, you know, down to like almost, you know, call them childish tactics, I guess, in that game against Houston, blowing the ball and stuff. So it's, it's un, it's unfortunate because we've seen this guy have so much success and the fan base fall in love with him. But you said it's important that, it's not like this season for Manoa. You can almost consider it a wash and hope that the Jays can can still continue to find team success without him. But he's still such a young guy. And moving forward, they are going to need him back in here. I think in a perfect world for the Blue Jays, this is almost like a late season post-trade deadline internal acquisition that they can get back up onto their main club to to further fortify their pitching if they have gone out and got an additional starter or if they do kind of roll out this bullpen day every fifth day it'll be interesting to interesting to see what francis bowden can provide for this team at the at the pro or top level i should say um he's had some pretty good success down in triple a so far this year so we'll see in this upcoming series because that's when we are going to see him for the first time uh but otherwise yeah unfortunate for manoa and when you were reading through that list of relievers that came in um after him in game one it's like oh my god when does this list actually end because that is so many arms to go through in one game um and you had mentioned this in the notes that he has said himself that you know he knows he doesn't have it right now and the worst part and anybody that's played a team sport can can uh, correlate with this is that you know, your own personal struggles, struggles, they are what they are. The bigger thing is that he feels like he's letting his teammates down and his team down. And to put it bluntly, he is. Because when you got to trot out almost your entire bullpen to try and clean up that mess, that you know you don't really have a hope of winning that game. It's just a matter of getting through it. it it's really tough and frustrating. And thankfully, his teammates picked him up in those following three starts by his uh, his fellow starting pitchers. 
Yeah, the, 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 you feel bad for him when you, when you hear a comment like that. But what he says, it is accurate. It was, it was a challenge to get, get around that. And the Jays really had to bear down and play some of their best baseball. We've seen them play in a long time to win those next three games. Like the other three starters afterwards, just fantastic. The bullpen uh, in the coming games after that, Jay Jackson mopping up those innings after Manoa was really important stuff. Um, yeah, you it, the 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 shitty thing. You you feel bad for the guy. You feel you hear the fans booing him a little bit when he's coming out. It's it's tough because you know he came up in 2021, exceeded expectations so massively. Like you know you have some other guys on the team that had such big expectations, like Bo and Vlad. The shoes they have to fill because of the way they were hyped is so difficult. And then on Alec Manoa on the other side of that, when he was drafted, it was kind of like, hey, this guy's maybe a mid-rotation start or something like that. And he comes up and he's damn near a Cy Young winner in his second year. And then things go sideways and it goes from amazing to so bad with nothing in the middle. And it's just, if, if you're that guy, you can see millions of dollars that you, that you, you, you feel you should be earning in this, in this, in the, in the upcoming off season when you can get to go through arbitration and you just kind of see that evaporating right in front of you. And then the fans, the ones who loved you so much, like, you know, you're, you're becoming like a, a young face, in Major League Baseball, getting to do the TV show on MLB Network, doing analysis at the All-Star Game last year. He was the main guy, the big personality. The fans are crazy about him. So many Manoa jerseys in the stands. And then it just disappears. And he's a young guy at 25 years old. Like, it's 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 not easy mentally for someone to navigate that stuff. So you really feel for him. And I'll circle back to what I said before. If it takes the entire season to get Alec Manoa right, I do think that they should prioritize getting him right rather than rushing it. Um, like you said, there's some internal candidates. There's some guys at AAA. Maybe Mitch White can get the job done. Maybe it's Francis. Maybe it's, I don't know. We have Hyunjin Ryu coming back eventually. They might just have to trade for someone. It is what it is. At least they have the three starters who are doing very well. That's a really nice foundation. But... We'll see. There, there, there might be a need for another pitcher down the road, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And at this point, we another thing that we have talked about a lot on the show, the Blue Jays' almost inability to draft and develop their own internal pitching um, and pitching prospects. Do you think that this current situation with Manoa is almost giving some glimpse of pitchers past where, you know, we, we've seen guys like Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez in most recent memory come in and have the same almost level of really high end success and, and being guys that are candidates for year end awards. Um, in Stroman's case, you know, gold gloves and stuff and both uh, him and Sanchez at different times considered for Cy Young awards. And, you know, the Sanchez situation a little bit different because of the injuries and stuff. But we see Stroman kind of fall by the wayside now finding a second life elsewhere around the MLB. But do you think there's any possibility of something like that happening with Manoa where the Jays, if they did, like they can't figure it out here in the immediate future, they do end up moving on from him and, and someone else can maybe try and put this back together a little bit better? I hope not. I mean, I really, I really truly hope that the Jays are able to sort this out because the way it was looking through the first two years was Alec Manoa looks like he should be like an all time blue Jay. He looks like, um, I, I wrote a post on the website about it during the off season because um, John Heyman, I think it was the New York post very randomly had a note in like January or February being like, Oh, the Jays haven't approached Manoa about a long-term extension. So that was the topic. And I was like, you know, looking at the early couple of first couple of seasons he's had, and you look at some of the best blue Jays pitchers in franchise history, your holidays and Dave Steves, Jimmy keys, guys like that. He's Manoa. What he accomplished in the first two years are right there. And 
you know, he was, it was such an endearing personality with the fans and everything. It just looked like, you know, he's going to be that guy. And I, I really hope he gets back on track because like you said, the, the, the successes of the, the, the developed pitchers during the Cleveland crew era have been surprisingly bad because Cleveland was so good at developing pitching uh, when Shapiro was there. And then, since coming here, it hasn't happened. Manoa's like their one drafted and developed success story. And if you lose that as a success story, then things suddenly don't look very good. So I, I really do hope he sorts it out. Um, it's just impossible to say. It's it's such a steep, stunning decline that I, I honestly can't remember the last time I saw someone go from this good to this bad. It's It's crazy. Especially this quickly, right? So, yeah. um, a pitching heavy show. We will finish with our final down. Um, something that we, I think, we don't want to talk about because it is pretty crazy in today's day and age that it is something that still makes the headlines across the leagues, whether it be in, we've seen instance of it in the NHL over the past calendar year with issues about it. Uh, and now here again in the MLB, we are once again talking about Anthony Bass and um, the comments that he made going back a couple weeks now. But I think my bigger question coming out of this and some news coming across just before we started recording here, I'll let you touch on that. But the decision made by the Blue Jays themselves to have Bass go out there and receive the first pitch on Pride Day, I'm I'm at a loss for what was the motivation behind that as a part besides being some really poor attempt at a PR move. Um, but what what did you take away, Cam, from that decision? Uh, and then what has since been announced after the fact here on Friday morning? Yeah. So in case there's anybody out there who doesn't know the Jays, um, Ross Atkins came out and spoke to media on Thursday about Anthony Bass and the whole situation. And then Anthony Bass, after Atkins spoke, answered questions for the first time since the controversy. And then on Friday, the Blue Jays announced that Bass had been designated for assignment. He opened up a 40 man, a spot on the 40 man roster for Mitch White, who's coming back from the 60 day injured list. And, um, in, in regards to White, he, he still had time left on his rehab assignment with the Bisons. So the Jays didn't have to do this right now. It wasn't entirely a pitching decision. It, it, it does go back to everything else he's done. And, you know, the last time he pitched and probably will pitch for the Blue Jays, I, I would be stunned, obviously, if he, if he pitches for the Jays again. But the last time he pitched is during that Manoa game in game one. He was only able to go one inning and allowed two runs on three hits, allowed a home run. And I mean, yeah, the, the, the situation's weird. It was, I, I, I've said this before. I, I, I really don't know why they allowed such a shitty player, I guess, to <laughs> kind of for lack of a better term. For yeah, lack of, yeah. Right. Like to, 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 to create this kind of this, this storm for them. I'm not sitting here advocating saying that if you're good enough, you can just get away with it. That's not the message I'm trying to say, but it, it was surprising that for one of the, 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 the back end uh, bullpen arms, you're doing this. And I, I wasn't really a fan of the idea of him doing the catching on, on the pride game on Friday, because to me, it just seems like the the you're you're not supposed to make it about this guy, right? Like uh, he just kind of shoved his way right into the middle of the whole situation, and then he's going to go there and take photos with people, and it's uncomfortable for them because this is a guy who can unironically look you in the eyes and be like, "I don't know you, but based on the community that you're from, I can say with a straight face that you're a groomer or a pedophile," which is just like insanely fucked up things to think about other people that you don't know. Um, yeah, it's 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 not really fair to the paying customers. 
members on the uh, of the Blue Jays who are a part of that community. It's really just not ideal at all. And then you have the other aspect. We brought this up last time too. Budweiser is a significant sponsor of the Blue Jays. They have a lounge there. Um, you know, like to suggest that the the company is 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 grooming kids is it's it's is asinine. And <laughs> someone to come out and then, you know, the Jays the Jays did all this work to do PR with them, like Atkins was saying, you know, he's spoken and met with people from the community. He's learned something. He's done this, he's done that. And then immediately after Atkins talks, he comes out and essentially just throws up his arms and he's like, I'm not sorry for any of this. I'm sorry that you got offended. I'm sorry that I got caught. Um, what I've shared was accurate. This is all correct. Uh, I'm just, I won't share my opinions anymore. And he just clearly didn't learn anything. He didn't give a shit. He made Atkins look really bad. You, you, your general manager goes out there and talks on behalf of you. And then you come out immediately after that and contradict him and just make him look like a doofus for doing so. So I, I'm just happy we don't have to talk about this guy anymore. It's been two controversies now. One of them was the United thing was just annoying. It just came across as entitled. This just came across as this is just bigoted. This is stuff that people don't want this. It's we don't want to be talking about it anymore. Like I, I wish the Jays had pulled the trigger earlier, but thankfully they did it before the game on Friday. I think having him there for photo ops and doing all this crap would have just been very disingenuous and very fake. If you have someone who unironically believes those things and is comfortable saying it, then I mean, to put them front and center of your event, you may as well just not have the event at that point. You don't actually care. That you you put that so well, Cam, and and yeah, it it reflects bad on Atkins, it reflects bad on the Blue Jays as a whole. Um, and yeah, in, in retrospect, I think the Blue Jays would concur with you that they do wish they had just cut the cord after the initial incident itself, and and not and save themselves this embarrassment of what has now transpired since. So um, I agree with you. I hope that this is the last time we have to talk about Anthony Bass in pretty much any regard. Um, but on a, on a little bit of a positive spin here before we, uh, before we take a quick break with Mitch White now back up with the big club, what, um, what do you expect to see from him moving forward? Because I mean, we saw him go through some strings of great pitching last season and getting pushed into that starters role in the rotation. Um, so far this year between uh, the pitching and then even the rehab assignment, we haven't quite seen the same level of of success. Do you think he can regain that form or is it just going to be uh, Mitch White, another name mixed in with the bullpen here? Well, they've given up on the idea of Mitch White being a starter this year. I had actually kind of forgotten about that when we were talking about um, pitching options and starting options for later. They they don't believe they can get him stretched out because he's had an injury since spring training that's kind of been nagging. So he's going to go back to being a you know one two inning reliever out of the bullpen. I mean, Mitch White had success when he was with the LA Dodgers. He came up in 2021, 3.66 ERA across 21 games. Most of those were relief appearances. Last year, before they traded for him, 370 ERA across 56 innings 10 of those are starts um pretty solid stuff and i mean he came here like the i'm not going to sit here and say that that was a good trade i don't know if it was i don't know if mitch white's that good um but at the end of the day like this is a guy who's from san jose california he went to a university in california he was drafted by the la dodgers like he's a california guy through and through and then he gets that shocking change to come to toronto midway through last year now he's got an injury he's obviously never found his groove i don't want to write the guy off just yet um just think back to a few years ago the jays made a trade 
with the Dodgers where they acquired Ross Stripling, kind of similar pitcher, half reliever, half starter. It looked really bad at first. He was pretty bad when they first got him, but he really settled in and provided the Jays with a lot of really good innings over the course of when he was here the next few years. So yeah, Mitch White hasn't been any good at all just yet, but maybe they get something out of them. I, I, I won't write him off yet, but I also, I'm not sitting here being like, yeah, Mitch White's going to come in and toss five good innings. I'm a little skeptical of that. Fair enough. Yeah. Hopefully he can at least provide something of a positive note here to, in addition to the Jays roster as they will see um, a bullpen style day here coming up this series against Minnesota, which we will touch on. But first, let's step aside for a quick break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back. So before we jump into our series preview against the Minnesota Twins, who we saw not that long ago, again, um, part of that stalwart AL Central division, um, (laughs) still leading it despite now being one game under 500, um, which, you know, I I can't do anything but shake my head at it at this point. Uh, But before we jump into that, let's take a quick spin around the, uh, the rest of the AL East and see where all of the Blue Jays divisional opponents stack up and how they fared over the past week so cam it it seems like beating a dead horse here but uh the rest of the division had a pretty good week for the most part (laughs) it it just it's rinse and repeat here because all five of these teams are are quality opponents for any other team in the league it doesn't matter if you're playing someone from the al central or you're playing um a texas or in the case of in division the rays because the rays swept those aforementioned twins raised now six straight kind of right carrying along. They had a little bit of a rough stretch. there, only winning uh, one of three, two of three, but apart from the fact Minnesota kept a couple of these games close early and then the, the final two matches with some close scores overall, it, it really was a pretty open and shut case again for the race here. And to put a bow on them, because we've said infinite good things about Tampa as a team, they are now going to have to go and play um, the other best team in the American League, which is the Texas Rangers. Uh, the Rays will be at home at the trot for it, but Texas, you know, first place in the West, it, it was announced that Jake DeGrom, their huge acquisition, you know, he is going to have to go for a second Tommy John surgery. But I mean, it doesn't really look like it slowed Texas down thus far with without DeGrom. And, and I, 
I don't see anything else changing for them moving forward. They're still going to be a really good team. Their bats can do some serious damage. And on the in the case of the Blue Jays, I hope or I would think that they're hoping Texas can uh, can maybe take a few good nicks out of the Rays in this process uh, of this series over the weekend. Uh, the Orioles they are uh, lost two of their three to the Brewers, which is kind of crazy. We've seen lots of interactions between the AL East and the Central, uh, both the NL and AL here over the past couple of weeks. But uh, apart from a late inning comeback on the Thursday game, nothing to write home about for the Orioles. They um, they're kind of still bounced around in the middle of that that division, still ahead of the Yankees by I believe a couple games. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment, but they're gonna stay at home as well, much like the Rays. Three games against the lowly Royals. So I think Baltimore hopefully looking to get themselves back on track after that comeback win on Thursday to avoid the sweep at the hand of Milwaukee. They've um looking to regain some ground after they were looking like they were chasing down the Rays there for a good stretch, kind of falling back a bit now. Uh the Red Sox and Yankees, they will meet here over the weekend in a three-game set, but uh, uh Boston, excuse me. Kind of, they've been on a skid six and twelve over the last eighteen. They lost two or three to Cleveland. Um, they are now four and a half games back of Toronto, which is good news for the Blue Jays as they're kind of giving themselves a little bit of separation in division. But if we once again uh, loop back to the comparison of the AL East to the AL Central, Boston would be first place in the AL Central, and they are four and a half games back in last place in the AL East. <laughs> so um, you, you talked about, you know, the floating the idea of some realignment here when a division is this poor, it almost gives that idea some real validity. So um, the Red Sox and the Yankees meeting here coming up for three games in New York, the Yankees two of three down to the White Sox, which included a double header on Thursday, them splitting those two games because there was some delays across the Northeastern United States in games, postponements and stuff because of the, uh, smoke that's rolling in. For those of us here in Alberta, uh, this is nothing new. We've seen oh, yeah. weeks, of, weeks of it already this spring and summer. Um, but now some big fires in Ontario that's starting to waft its way into the Northeast United States and causing some issues where they're not quite as familiar with that apocalyptic looking sky, the haze and the the red sun of Krypton shining down on, on the city streets. So um, the biggest thing of note for the Yankees being that Aaron Judge has been placed on the 10-day IL, Billy McKinney recalled, and played played well in his a couple of games of appearance. So, right, I mean, it is what it is. Still predictable. Still predictable. Um, Randy Vasquez, that uh, Yankees top pitching prospect, he did make another appearance getting his first win um, over uh, this past week, but then immediately sent back down to AAA uh, after the game, just kind of as a spot spot replacement there. So, um, you know, the Jays have moved only one game back of the Yankees here uh, with them losing two or three this week. So three games back of Baltimore. Toronto is heating up at the right time with um, their their in-division opponents, with probably the exception of Toronto, kind of taking a bit of a stumble here. You know, I start off by saying it was still a decent week for the division. They all, all but the Rays lost their series, but still got at least one win out of it. None of them getting swept. So uh, over the weekend, I think if you were rooting for something in this Red Sox Yankees series, you'd probably be rooting for a Red Sox sweep of the Yankees, if anything, right? Because yeah. I think you, you've established that you are a better team than Boston and can keep yourselves ahead of them as long as you keep playing your game. But being able to chase down New York and the, at the same time would be a huge, huge bonus. Yeah, because they're they're one game back of the Yankees now. They're three games back of Baltimore. So, like, it's within reach. I mean, I think from the Jays' perspective is you'd really like to gain some games on New York here while Aaron Judge is away. And it's really hard to say how long he'll be out because he hurt himself crashing through the outfield wall at Dodger Stadium on Sunday making a huge catch. And it's a toe injury, which doesn't seem like it should be a big deal, but 
DJ LeMayhew spoke to the media. He had a toe injury last year, and it wound up really derailing a good chunk of his season because if you're a right-handed hitter, then that's kind of like your balance and power toe. This is this is not me as a baseball person describing. This is just me aggregating what I read because I don't know much about baseball injuries that much, to be honest with you. But what they're saying is it's very unpredictable how long Judge is going to be out. It might be a short thing, might be a long thing. But from Toronto's perspective, he is their lineup, so... You know, unless Billy McKinney can maintain some hot streak over the course of a month, then the Yankees are in tough here and the Jays really need to capitalize on this before it gets too late. And even outside of that injury, the Yankees kind of having some more internal um, issues and stuff. As Luis Severino having another tough outing in that first game that they lost to the the White Sox of that doubleheader Thursday. They're doing this alternating thing at third base between DJ LeMayhew and Josh Donaldson, where each of them start on alternating days. With, and I don't believe there's any huge injury reason behind that. It's just a matter of getting both of them reps in there. So, you know, I, I won't dive too much into it because I don't... Um, I don't sit down and watch Yankees games start to finish like I do Toronto ones, obviously. So I won't speculate, but it does kind of seem like there's some things that the Yankees need to figure out. And without Judge in the lineup buoying everyone else, that might be quite a bit more difficult to accomplish. All right, Coombsy, we can wrap up with a preview of this upcoming weekend series against Minnesota. Uh, we will see UC Kikuchi face Sonny Gray here on Friday afternoon. Um, Sonny Gray, you'd mentioned earlier in the show about one of some uh, MLB.com's five favorites uh, for the Cy Young in the American League early on. Um, then Bowden Francis slash bullpen game versus Joe Ryan in game two. And the man, the myth, the legend himself, Kevin Gosman, looking to keep his great hot streak alive versus Louis Varland, um, wrapping things up on Sunday here. So, you know, Minnesota, we, we talked about and you'd said this many weeks ago. It's like, you know what? They're, they're both or they're pitching, maybe not giving them enough credit at what do or what they're due. But at the end of the day, they are still a 31 and 32 team or whatever they are at this point that they, they don't really pop off you at the page. And this looks like another or a great chance for Toronto to continue their hot streak here. Yeah, Minnesota's lost five games in a row. They had split a series with Cleveland where they lost the final two. And then they had an off day and they went down to Tampa and lost all three. And I saw an interesting tweet. And of course, I didn't save it or put it anywhere. But uh, it said something along the lines of whenever teams go to the trop, they wind up having a terrible series after that, probably because it was a difficult series against Tampa. You had to lose a bunch of pitchers. Are you feeling bad about yourself because they hit 17 home runs or something like that? So the twins are coming off of a series in Tampa and now they're coming to Toronto. So, you know, you're flying from Florida to Toronto Friday, Thursday to Friday, not an easy rep. And the Jays are playing really well. And, you know, the Twins, yeah, of course, they're leading the division, but we just saw them a couple weeks ago. They're not great. They have good starting pitching and an okay lineup, an okay bullpen. But this is a very winnable series for the Jays. It's it's just a little tough to predict what's going to happen because they could really use a good Yusei Kikuchi start on Friday. It's been a while since he's gone deep into a game. Most His most recent starts are all, you know, pitching into the fourth or fifth inning, coming out after five, struggling to get through four that kind of things. The Jays could really use some length here ahead of the bullpen game on Saturday. That again, of course, is very unpredictable, but at the very least at the end, there's the Kevin Gosman start on Sunday and then there's a day off on Monday before um, all right. No, sorry. I'm looking at Minnesota's schedule. So that's wrong. The Jays are playing. Then they head to Baltimore right away after that. So that's a difficult series. So you'd really like to capitalize on the twins here. They're, they're reeling after a tough one in Tampa 
They're not very good. We've, we've shit all over the central division a million times. <laughs> no one in the division is good. Everyone's under 500. It's insane. You got to win this one against Minnesota because coming up next is the Orioles. And that is, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one and a very important one. Yeah. Keeping, keeping this momentum that you have as a team going into that series with Baltimore, I think would be very beneficial for Toronto. And, uh, and yeah, it, with the kind of uncertainty around a bullpen game on Saturday, like you said, going up against one of the best pitchers in the American league. You'd love for Kikuchi to kind of go out there and, and have himself a great afternoon here on Friday. So uh, yeah, hopefully the Jays can at least take two or three. I would love to see them take all three and get the sweep here and then um, take some pressure off heading into the series with Baltimore next week. But otherwise look like it's going to be a hot one here in uh, Edmonton over the weekend. Coomsey, stay cool. Enjoy some baseball. Best wishes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 